Okay, welcome everyone to the Future of Digital Communities panel at the inaugural Overweb Challenge. I'm Albert Kim, founder of Nomadic Nomads, a community of radical thinkers and doers co-creating a more beautiful future. And I will be your MC for today. Now, thank you to our sponsors, the Overweb, Overweb Foundation. Thank you to our sponsors, the Overweb Foundation and the Forbes Funds, and to our partners, including the EU's Next Generation Internet, UMI, Edge Riders, Accelerant Solutions, We Tech Belgium, The Funding Box, and School. And last but not least, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us today. Everyone here gets an invite to the Noetic Nomads Discord, where you can be part of the next generation of sense makers and change makers. Link is in the chat. Okay. And now we are going to get over to the festivities. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel Liebeskind, Maggie Love. Um, yes, I'm so glad that you made it back. And we also have David Benjamin, CEO of Bridget, joining us. And we also have Alexander Biner, co-founder of Rub Wisdom, and David Holman, founder of Orchestrated uh, Connecting. Uh, they had some last-minute scheduling conflicts, but they sent us over a presentation, and we will post that for you. And now let's get into the festivities. Now, I would like to start with introductions. Uh, Daniel, you are the co-founder and CEO of Topia. Maggie, co-founder and director of W3B Cloud and founder at SheFi, and David, I think we know, all know who you are. So the way I would like to start today is, um, you know, we're in a very interesting time right now for social media and for digital communities and for the platforms on which they're built, um, especially going on with like the political situation and you have the, the platforming and, and all these other things happening right now. Um, so if I could just ask the panel, uh, could you each briefly speak on the impact that recent events may have on the digital communities of the future. So let's start with Daniel. Can you please please give a brief introduction to yourself and what your thoughts are on the impact that recent events may have on digital communities of the future? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Daniel Liebeskin. As Albert said, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Topia. Uh, and you know what we're trying to do in general is make it easier for communities to be to come together and communities really are you know any group that has a shared belief and where the connection between the individual nodes the individual connections between the members of that community of that group are really important and so that's what that uh, topia was really built around this principle that's uh, it's it's got spatial media so as you get closer to people sound gets uh, sound and video fade in and as you move away the sound and video fade away and so that allows you to sort of form these small groups have agency to move around have serendipity uh, really uh, strengthen the bonds between the individuals that are within an event but have the context of a larger event actually going on so that's what we're doing at topia and uh you know i think the, the recent events have made it really challenging for communities to actually come together you know we could actually say that Overweb, in some ways, although it's a panel, it also, you know, is trying to be a community, and it's it's hard to do that in uh, some of the modern technologies. Um, it's also just hard to do that during pandemic times. It used to be that we could just come together and have little one-off conversations. We could do this panel, then we could all go hang out uh, and become friends and have the experience of being at, you know, in in that sort of uh, setting together. And I think, you know, the, the recent uh, events, there's, it's hard to actually share uh, in community with your friends uh, the impacts that are that these sorts of things are happening. You used to be able to, again, go out and, and sort of talk about 
your own emotions around things um, and you know find similar opinions or even different opinions right and have sort of that face-to-face -face discourse that's really important to the human experience and so getting rid of that is challenging and i think people are are going to want community going forward and so how do we do that as a human race how do we uh, actually come together and have community in a digital age and an emerging digital age and you know who knows in the future sort of when pandemic ends you know, I'm sure we could talk about that, but we shouldn't. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Daniel. And um, I actually came across, um, someone actually posted Topia to the Nordic Nomads Discord um, the other day. And on that same day, Future Thinkers, um, another um, digital community in this space, they started experimenting with it. And I tried out Topia and I was like, wow, this is something different. And right now we're all on Zoom. But let's be real, like Zoom is almost becoming like the new Facebook. It's just kind of like everyone's on it, but it's just like, is it really the best thing? And I'm going to be transparent. The other day, while posting an event for Nordic Nomads, the day after, I got my account disabled. So I had to create, so I my account on Facebook is gone and I just had to create a new one. So this is very, very salient for not just everyone, but for me, I just got the platform. Like And like, who knows, you know, what happens with, with Zoom in the future and, you know, they're issues perhaps with privacy that have been ongoing with Zoom. So again, I'm very excited for uh, digital communities of the future. And now uh, let's move on to Maggie. Thank you much. Thank you so much for joining us. She is the um, co-founder of W3B Cloud and also founder of SheFi, which is very interesting. Now, Maggie, can you unmute yourself and tell us a little bit of a short introduction? And also, can you briefly speak on the impact that recent events may have on the digital communities of the future? Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's great to get introduced to this community. And uh, apologies on my internet, crossing my fingers, my New York Spectrum Wi-Fi decides to cooperate today. So yeah, so uh, both Web3 Cloud and SheFi are both in the crypto and Ethereum community. So if you think about that, those have been very digitally native communities in some aspects for a long time. Uh, and you know, what is interesting when we when we think about if we take like a blockchain, so blockchain is this you know distributed ledger technology that allows for different types of networks to exist and really community-based networks and owned networks. There's these ideas around um, what if instead a, a centralized entity like a Zoom or a Twitter or a big platform that can have decisions over the way we uh, socialize and interact as digital communities. What if instead we actually allowed everyone who participates in the digital community to um, take ownership and vote on and come to some type of community-based decision? Um, whether it's, you know, this the past year is a little bit chaotic in a lot of ways and whatever side of the spectrum you're on of like who gets to make what types of decisions instead of that, we can reimagine actually like communities um, owning their digital communities, the members of it owning it, and then making decisions that seems a little more, maybe not equal. It's There's different types of voting structures that can be in there, but everyone more or less has a voice. As we see these kind of digital communities evolve, there's also the issue of like incentivizing digital communities, right? So um, what you may think brings some that should bring somebody back to a community, uh, whether it's a financial incentive or whether it's a network incentive or whether it's a human incentive, that might not actually be as true. And I think um, even if you look like a technology perspective, like Zoom meetings are getting a little <laughs> fatigued. So like how we organize, how we incentivize organization and how we really encourage um, communal participation in decision making and showing up um, and being a part of something I think is really at the forefront right now. 
Um, so, you know, uh, with uh, SheFi, you know, it's a, it's a group of women who all want to learn about cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. And a lot of them are new to crypto. So, you know, an incentive there is like, um, bringing them together, um, having channels where they can continue to discuss and share topics and ask questions and feel um, engaged and, you know, no shame in the fact that they're new to this space. Um, we're not very high tech, but there's another community that Rika and I are part of called Mochi. And we actually use an app called Gather Town, which is more of like a um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a Nintendo 64 interface, but you each get your little avatar that you can change and then you can build rooms. So we have like a reading club room and we have a room where we just do like bi-monthly meetings. And so I think what I'll end with is, is I also see like a lot of gaming and avatar and like RPG and creating this online version of yourself for your communities, even if it's just your book club community, right? So um, I think where I see communities going is like um, spreading decision-making to the owners to the members of the community and making them feel like owners, um, figuring out how to incentivize these digital communities to um, show up and participate and find out what makes people tick uh, other than what we're kind of used to, just like showing up because a topic is interesting. Uh, and then also kind of like all of these maybe taking on some type of gamified uh, RPG because I think oh, over the go. pandemic that could like, you know, go dance a little. Sorry about that. Thank you, I'll, 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 I'll stop. That's my cue, I got, that's the hook. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Maggie. Uh, yeah, I was just going uh, as you're breaking up about how I, I really resonate with that, where you talk about uh, resonating, I mean, talk about incentivizing community and trying to make sure that all these different groups that are underrepresented are get involved. Because, for example, I started my Nordic Nomads community a few months ago, and I really want to, you know, bootstrap something into existence. And I want to, uh, one of my long-term goals is to create uh, like uh, our own virtual, you know, uh, community where we have our own digital economy, where we have, you know, uh, um, um, our own circular economy, perhaps based on crypto, based on Ethereum or the blockchain, where we could create value and and uh, and, and have it circulate within us. It doesn't have to go out into this more, you know, late capitalist, you know, game a type world. And I also really want to bring in diversity and, and inclusion of all different types. And we're definitely going to go into that uh, later um, with the presentation by David. Um, so where I would like to go into next is again, uh, Alexander Binder, a co-founder of Rebel Wisdom. Uh, he had a scheduling conflict, but he was gracious enough to uh, give us a presentation on what he thought was the future of virtual communities. So I'm going to share the screen and play that for you right now and please let me know if this sound is okay everybody this is alexander biner and i'm going to record um, a few thoughts about the future of uh, online communities so this is a topic that um, i'm really interested in i've thought uh, quite a lot about um, in part because at rebel wisdom we over the last six months or maybe a little bit longer, we've um, put a lot of effort into setting up our own digital campfire. So our own internal community where people come and gather and have conversations um, and engage in practices um, about lots of different topics. And, and in particular, Oops. with a kind of uh -huh. intention of, to one degree, transformation as a group and as individuals, and also sense-making, deeper inquiry um, into what's going on and, and how we can navigate the world we're in. So there's a few, um, a few key things I've noticed and, and key questions I have that I'm still exploring, which hopefully are useful for this uh, wider inquiry we're all in at this event. So um, to set the kind of 
the context, I think what's it's useful to look at just really briefly and very um, in kind of a but very quick way that the history of the internet up until this point in terms of how people have come together to form community and uh, also ways they've done that, right? Like, well, what kind of methods, what kind of platforms, you know, from forums to social media, et cetera. So I remember, you know, um, let's say maybe like 10, 15 years ago when, um, you know, forums were perhaps more popular than they are now. Now, I was on a, um, a forum called The Grow Report, which was um, to do with uh, various psychedelic podcasts around at the time. So there were like five or six podcasts in a podcast network. And we had a, a forum where um, uh, I don't know how many people, let's say 500 active people were um, having conversations there. And that form of community, which was more and more, you know, it's more popular, perhaps earlier in the history of the Internet. Um, there are a few different aspects of that, which I think are worth mentioning, because we're seeing something quite different uh, with similarities happening now. So it was asynchronous, which means things were not happening at exactly the same time, which is still how a lot of our communication happens online. So, you know, I would type something in the forum, maybe I'd be, you know, um, having a, a, a debate or argument about philosophy, which is often something we did on that forum with someone, you know, and write like, a big chunk of text and then wait a few hours or a day and then someone else would reply and then maybe two people would reply so we're all really familiar with that as a form of communication and it's text-based and it's asynchronous um and there's another aspect to it as well which is that it was anonymous partly because it was a drugs forum as well it, we were all uh, anonymous and that was quite a big part of it but in in internet history that's been major the anonymity we have online and of course it has massive downsides as well um uh yeah as well as upsides you know for, for people being able to communicate you know say you're in an oppressive regime for example um and you want to find others to talk to or you just simply don't want to be known um you don't want your public information out there um that leaves for a kind of a different kind of community you know some would say that gives uh, rise to a community where um, only ideas uh, are valued. And it's really about the quality of ideas rather than who the person is expressing them. I think that's a little bit simplistic, but um, certainly one way you could look at it or one piece of the puzzle. So what I think is interesting about the future of online community or one potential future of it is the movement towards synchronous communication. So very often now happening on Zoom um, where we're speaking and the, there's an immediacy to it there's a there's a completely different quality to the conversation, and it's almost always it's it's no longer anonymous. Certainly, if we're meeting to have a real conversation, um, it could be anonymous. But very often, as as people are um, indoors in lockdowns, and so much has moved online, more and more people uh, in the mainstream uh, are using this kind of synchronous online communication, and it's very nascent. It's very new, so we're not quite sure. Um, what the implications might be for the future of community. Um, and it's not just about, I think what's one interesting thing to look at is that it's it's not just about how we're communicating uh, and the, the media through which we're communicating uh, and what they bring, uh, the, the uniqueness that each different form, for example, Zoom compared to a forum bring, um, but also what we're using them for. And I think one of the key drivers for all of us coming into online community is to, to find the others, to find other people who uh, think similarly to us or um, or maybe think differently in the right ways, you could say. Um, 
coming together and, and having some kind of genuine human connection. That's what we, you know, it's a deep human need um, and desire to come together and connect uh, at a deeper level than let's say uh, surface chit chat. Um, so some people, you know, some of us are meeting on Zoom with, you know, with a, a group of friends you play poker with or, uh, you know, some kind of club. But then also what's happening, and this is particularly something that's happening in, in Rebel Wisdom, it's happening in the Stoa, uh, Nordic Nomads, you know, a few other different places, is that people are coming together to have, to practice different types of conversational modalities. So they're coming together to practice um, talking about ideas and concepts in a new way. Often uh, there's different meditation practices, dialogue practices, uh, via Logos, as it's called, as uh, John Verveke has popularized or repopularized uh, that conception of, of the, the kind of practices we're engaging with. And I think uh, my theory on that is that in part, it, it contains all, the reason we do that is because of all of those drivers, I think finding community, having a deeper conversation and being able to express things we can't in that asynchronous way. Um, but it's also about changing our frames, our frames of reference, which become more and more embedded in a lot of online community um, and more polarized as algorithms kind of split out our news feeds, so we're only seeing certain things. Um, this way of communicating, this synchronous way where people are coming together in these digital campfires, um, is ushering in a new kind of online community. And it's it has a few qualities that I've mentioned. Uh, synchronous, it's usually not anonymous. Um, it's often uh, intentionally based around having a different type of conversation that that has a um, that moves us somewhere, you know, that that is transformative in some way, and it's very very new. It's not been going on very long, and there's I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of it um, as 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 digital communities form, as well as lots of other types of digital community we we can't yet imagine. But I think um, I think it's a really interesting area for inquiry right now. What it, what are the implications? of these new aspects of uh, online community and communication. So hopefully that's that's of use. Um, I wish I could be there in person, but I'm, I'm curious to see recording afterwards to hear what other panelists and, and anyone else um, has to say on the topic. So uh, thank you and goodbye. Okay, thank you so much, Alexander, for your contribution. Now, going back over what uh, Alex stated, he spoke of digital communities of the past being asynchronous and anonymous with the move now towards the synchronous and personal and have new ways of connecting, which can help us break out of old frames and allow for deeper connection. So I would now like to ask the panel, uh, Maggie and Daniel, if one of you would like to grab it, and then we can move to the other panelists. So how can digital communities of the future help break us out of these old frames and afford deeper connections. Passing on to whoever would like to pick that up. I, I, I can go. Um, so I think one of the things that we're seeing, and Alex sort of hinted at, he talked a lot about the asynchronous versus synchronous and a lot of the themes in general that we're moving towards and genuine human connection. And I think all of those things are incredibly important. One of the things that we also think about, just something that he, he didn't bring up, and I guess just to clarify, I think everything he talked about is, uh, you know, I have strong beliefs about all of those, those same things. One thing he didn't bring up uh, about the future is that we're really entering into an age of the spatial web, right? And we, we sort of had the readable web, then we have the social web, and the spatial web is the blurring of the lines between what it means to be digital and what it means to be in real life. And 
it's one of the things that we're actually seeing at Topia. Uh, so two months ago, somebody had a wedding in Topia and they had 10 people in person for the ceremony and they had 250 people in uh, Topia world that were getting broadcast the, the live stream, but they were all interacting. They were forming small groups, you know, three to 10 people um, having fun, drinking champagne, whatever they were doing. There was like a photo booth in there um, and music and, and those sorts of things. And so, you know, the notion of what it means to, to have a digital event or to have an in-person event, that sort of blurs. And I think that's going to happen a lot with communities as well. And it means that things are more accessible in the future. Things like Burning Man, which Topia actually was a co-host of this year. Um, you know, in the future for next year, maybe there will be an in-person Burning Man, but, you know, why have it be limited to 70,000 people when you can have a million people uh, attend an event like that? And you can have people in person, you can have people digitally, the community itself has really expanded. And uh, I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity for communities to be much more inclusive, much more accessible, uh, much more diverse. And it's something that we're really excited about. Awesome, uh, Daniel. So uh, Maggie, so what are your thoughts on how digital communities of the future can help break us out of old frames and forward deeper connections? I think what we're seeing is that um, like, uh, you know, we're moving towards, like, while we want to include everybody, there's also like a, some amount of uh, curation and some amount of like choosing as a member of a community, like where you spend your time online and how you spend that time. So, you know, there's applications like Clubhouse, which small communities can form on, but a lot of it is like people talking and people listening uh, versus other communities that I'm in, such as Mochi or Shifi. It's really about engaging with those people and, having different channels to have different types of conversations and, you know, um, being able to um, hear a variety of viewpoints. And so I just think also it's like on each of us to like determine like where we spend our time, how we spend our time. Do we just want to be a part of communities where we're on Zoom calls or we're listening in rooms and we're kind of like not being engaged. I'm saying like, I am focusing a lot more this year on like smaller virtual communities that are like really grown intentionally and allow for these types of conversations to happen versus like joining a large community on Reddit or a large community on Clubhouse or a large community on these like other platforms and, and finding ways like where I spend my time digitally is just as important as where I spend my time in my physical communities. So instead of trying to have like ADHD community, um, like which I struggle with and be a part of all of these things. It's more about like what communities can I invest in and what communities can invest in me and how can I help them grow and where can I have these types of conversations. So I definitely think there is some intentionality behind uh, for us to determine like where we spend our digital energy and um, focusing on like the couple of small communities you can really uh, contribute to that allow for these things to happen because it's also like a human to human thing even though it's virtual um, versus like belonging to every big uh, community that seems shiny and is out there or just belong to like a forum-based community. So I'm kind of uh, spending a lot of time thinking about like, where do I actually want to spend my time digitally since I'm spending most of my time digitally and like not just thinking of digital as different than the importance that a physical community provides you in terms of like how you make decisions of who you spend time with. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for sh uh, sharing, Maggie. And I resonate so much with that because uh, what I'm doing with Noetic Nomads, I'm almost, I'm almost like a meta community. I'm trying to bring together a community of communities. But in order to do that, I have to go out and branch out, you know, like explicitly go out and branch out to all these different communities. And it can get overwhelming because I'm trying to build my own community. 
at the same time, I have to go out and in, in order to build a meta community, I have to go out into all these different communities. And it's like, how do, where do I put all my energy? Where do I put my time? So yes, I mean, that's definitely something, a question that, you know, we all have to grapple with. And again, uh, as I was going into David, um, if you'd like to speak on this question, um, how do you think the digital communities of the future can help break us out of old frames and afford deeper connections? Hi, I'm David Benjamin. I'm the founder of Bridget.io and one of the initiators of this, this overweb project. We've been really interested in this notion of a digital nation and what what would it mean to have a nation that's defined based on your interests or maybe maybe has something to do with where you live or how you identify but not necessarily on borders and boundaries you know lines drawn in the sand what what would it look like if we came together around other things you know, I can imagine a, a black digital nation or a digital nation for dog lovers or people who ski or um, they could be really intersectional as well. It could be uh, people who live in Montana that enjoy skiing on a particular slope and talking about sense making. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> it kind of goes to what Maggie was saying about getting, uh, you know, to smaller deeper communities and i think that may be where we're we're headed but i've been pondering this notion of a digital community or a digital nation at whatever level people want to engage with it uh, what could it look like what would some of the components be and if we if we took on some of the elements of the of the uh, overweb pattern so safe digital space so you know that everybody within your your uh, digital nation is a real person in good standing with your nation. Maybe your nation has a code of conduct and everybody who joins that nation agrees to that code of conduct. And so, as I said, everybody you encounter that's in that digital nation, that's in that layer over the internet, over the web is in good standing. What if whenever you go to some of your, you know, the web pages that you're particularly interested in and have something to do with the digital nation that you're engaging with at the moment, and implicit in that is that you could be in many different digital nations, right? We have many different interests and there's no reason why we couldn't have a different persona for every digital nation we're in. So imagine that I'm going to the to a website and it's pertinent to the digital nation that I'm engaging with at the moment. What if I could see anyone else who was on that website from that digital nation who was on that website right then, or maybe if they allow people to see their, see their history of being on the website, people who are visible on a website within that digital nation, maybe I could know that Albert and I were Albert, was on the site that I'm on right now last week. Maybe I could know that. That would be interesting. That'd be interesting to me within the context of uh, a group of people that I'm sharing interests with uh, in, in the context of a digital nation to be able to know that Albert was there at that site. And so I could say, oh, Albert, I, I saw that you were on that site um, where they had the article about so-and-so. 
what do you think? What did you think about that article? Maybe that's a, a launch pad into a conversation for us. So maybe, maybe actually Albert or Maggie or, or Daniel, maybe they had a site at the same time as me. I didn't know that they were going to be there, but I, we all happen to be going visible. We're all within um, the digital communities, digital nation. <laughs> and uh, we all happen to be there at the same time. Well, we could choose to, to have communication. We could chat. Maybe we could have an audio or video communication. And it would be serendipitous because we just happen to be at that website at the same time. So that's another thing that could be interesting within the context of a digital nation. And then, you know, these smart tags, the other element of the, of the, of the pattern. Yeah. Maybe there's some, some, some aspects of, of, um, well, some type of smart tag that's about digital communities. So if we had this digital nation about people interested in digital communities, maybe if we were that particular smart tag might I don't know what it would look like, but who knows? It, there, there could be something there. There, there could be interesting smart tags that are just created for the context of a specific digital nation, and that's just applying the the basics of the the overweb pattern to the notion of digital nations. You can also imagine there being the possibility of censuses, uh, voting, or or polling. Uh, because you know that everybody is a, a, a real person, right? And then you could also have the concept of, I don't know, some, some might want to have royalty. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's just a, a lot of really interesting questions um, that are swirling around my mind about where digital communities can go. But I, I do think overall the, the directionality is towards smaller communities that are able to go deeper because we're sick of this shallow internet right at least at least a number of people that i that i'm in touch with are are are, are sick of the the shallowness of the internet and want to be able to go deeper and i think that's where we're headed thanks yeah absolutely yeah thank you david and daniel if you have a quick comment uh, to what david said yeah, I, I, I just messaged uh, Albert and said if I could just respond. David, I'm super fired up about what you're talking about around uh, digital nations and digital nation, the notion of a nation actually being able to be a small group of people uh, that have, you know, that come together. I, I think having some sort of persistent space, um, having that deep connection, which, you know, in the case of Topia, it's persistent spaces, it's, you know, it's actual face-to-face -face communication. But then another really important piece here is being able to co-create that uh, that space that you're coming together in, co-create the rules and having governance, being able to actually uh, modify, in the case of Topia, you know, there are these big open worlds, being able to actually modify the world together and shape it together, throw events in there together, bring other people into the community. That's kind of what a, a real, you know, real life nation does. Um, and so I think those are actually really important aspects of creating a real digital community, not one that's just part of a platform of a group of people in a forum where they can chat or even where they can have audio and video with each other. Uh, but actually being able to create that space, create that nation together and have buy-in that way and, and have things like governance of electing, uh, you know, people in positions of leadership and, you know, how do you diverse, how do you distribute uh, capital that's made from selling digital goods, those sorts of things. You know, we're thinking a lot about that at, at Topia. Thanks, Albert, let me. 
Okay, yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, and thank you, Daniel. And uh, Maggie, uh, do you have a quick thought or would you, uh, is it okay if I move on to the next presentation? I'm good. You can move on. Okay, awesome. And okay, and again, uh, David Holman of Orchestrated Connecting, um, he was kind enough to send us a presentation on his thoughts on the future of virtual communities, which I will share with the audience right now. Hi everyone, my name is David Homan, and thank you so much to Via Benjamin for having me as part of this discussion on the future of digital communities. I run a community called Orchestrated Connecting. It's a special community because it's made up of hundreds of other community leaders and organizers spread across the entire world, from Nexus to Virgin Unite to SOCAP to Davos to Horasis, whatever it might be, I study and I bring into my circle the people who were the leaders of communities, many of whom have made a conscious and very satisfying pivot to the world of digital and virtual, others that are waiting, that are on hold, hoping we get back to normal soon, or whatever that new normal might be, and many that are understanding, as I do, that there will be a hybrid, there will be a differentiation between the events that we need to attend in person, and then how virtual helps maintain them, and the opposite, communities that are built virtually and then have an enhanced, amazing moment together, but less frequently than they normally would have been built. When I think about what will be different, the best analogy is the arts and the difference of music, theater, and dance intended to be performed live and film and television, which although there are ways to see them live and collectively are primarily activities run through our devices, through our phones, through our computers, sometimes back and again in a cinema, but with usually strangers, not community. When you take these live performing arts, you are intrinsically tied to the experience of that day and that moment. You could choose to interrupt it. You could choose to accept it. Your cough, your phone going off are things that other people notice and you're conscious of. And in many ways, what also happens is when that art brings you all together, you come together. I believe this can be attained virtually. I believe it can be sustained, but it's a conscious choice to not allow yourself to be able to know that you could simply turn off your phone. You can walk away because you're tied in to others in community. And what's a new normal with this will continue to change and evolve because I believe a hybrid is the best solution. We yearn for connection, we yearn for compassion. We've proven we can build friendships, run businesses, help others digitally, virtually. But we've also don't even understand what will happen and what is happening to so many others for which their isolation, their mental anguish, all of these major issues mentally need physical communities, physical interaction. And I believe we crave both. We crave a balance of being in person and we crave a balance of being virtual. And virtual allows us to have no borders or boundaries, but the time and the energy we put into it. So a final reflection on the future of virtual communities is simply this. Like the arts, we will find different ways to engage with it. People will be attracted to different parts and aspects of what community means. And we will have very niche communities and very open communities, communities that 
transcend politics, that transcend boundaries. And often communities, as we're seeing currently, that harden our beliefs, that isolate us, that do not celebrate diversity or inclusion, but in instead celebrate homogeneity of ideas. And I believe the single biggest challenge for virtual communities is to continue to add diversity and diverse opinions to them, to be able to cross-pollinate and share ideas and be able to walk and see what somebody else's shoes are like. And when we achieve that, when we achieve that balance of being able to connect remotely from all around the world to others, then we make a conscious effort to engage with those people in person. We will have walked in their shoes. We'll have seen how they've lived, even if it's just to see how they turned on their computer and how they logged off on Zoom and what they did after in the world they were in. But the future of communities will be strong with balance. It'll be strong with purpose and intention. And it will be dangerous as the world is right now if we seek only virtually or in person people who I, whose ideas conform with ours. That is the single most important effort we can make now to bridge and heal the world is to make sure we are constantly looking for how we can add value to others and how we can evaluate those relationships and add them both in person and virtually to each other. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thank you for your thoughts, David. Now, David spoke about being a leader of a meta community, a sort of like Nordic nomads, in his case, a community of community leaders with those leaders falling into three groups, those fully embracing the digital, those waiting to go back to normal, which may never come, and those embracing a hybrid approach. And David also expressed his concern for what he felt may be the biggest challenge for virtual communities moving forward, and that's ensuring inclusion of a diversity of people and ideas. So I'd just like to ask the panel as we go one by one, um, what are your uh, thoughts on what the biggest challenge or a big challenge for virtual communities moving forward? And what is a way that we can dissolve that issue and, and come and, and, and come to a, a more beautiful future that we're all looking for? So if one of you would like to pick that up. I'll go first again. Um, so I think one of the big things that we're seeing just in the world right now around social is a polarization of information. And this is the result of the way that social media evolved, right? Through an iterative process of trying to figure out how to, how to have a business model and how to gain people's attention so that they could serve ads essentially and monetize. And as a result, what they do is serve uh, content that engages people and reinforces their existing beliefs and in many ways radicalizes uh, and polarizes people between whatever it is that they already, you know, it's sort of an echo chamber of your existing thoughts. And I think one of the big risks for digital communities going forward is how do we break, how do we break free of that? And, you know, Albert, you even asked about recent events. You know, one of the things that that's happening is uh, that that's become even more ingrained, more radicalized and, and, you know, communities themselves have become echo chambers, especially digital communities have become echo chambers. Um, and so how do we break out of that, have more diversity of thought, more exposure to other people's opinions? Um, and I think, you know, when you can moderate the content, when the content is written or in some kind of shareable form, and you can moderate that through uh, artificial intelligence and then serve it in a way that's going to be really engaging, you're giving the power to the technology to curate that content for you. And it's not humans that are sharing that directly with you. It's 
it's humans that are sharing it to a platform. And then that platform is deciding what content you get to see and you get to engage with. And what's been happening is they're serving you information that's going to reinforce your existing beliefs and, and communities themselves then, even you know something like Facebook groups, right? You might be part of Facebook groups and feel like you're part of that community. Um, and, and this isn't meant to be sort of a hit on Facebook or, or anything like that, but um, you know, when you're, when you're in one of those groups, you're getting the content um, from the community that's being curated for you. And so I, I think it's, it's actually a challenge for us to say, let's break free of the existing models and think about what we want that content to be. And you know, I have a strong belief that the content should be human conversation. It should be human connection. It should be shared experiences and memories and that you should, you know, you should be uh, unfiltered and end-to-end -end encrypted. You should be able to, you know, in, in Topia, for example, we use peer-to-peer -peer mesh. It's all end-to-end -end encrypted. It's not going through a server. There is no moderation that's even possible. And so the types of conversations that you can have are unfiltered. They're raw. They're real. They're kind of how we evolved in many ways as humans to communicate with one another. And being able to actually have that kind of discourse in the future is, is really the foundation of what healthy communities are about. And not being able to have that, if we keep going down this road of uh, communities just being fed content that radicalizes them, I think that's a huge danger. Awesome, thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, Maggie or David, uh, what are your thoughts on a big challenge for the future of virtual, uh, virtual communities moving forward and a possible way forward from that? Yes, uh, I would have to agree that, you know, a reason that you move if you so choose to like physically is likely that you're ready for some type of change, ready to meet new people, kind of ready to take that risk to potentially expand uh, your mind, especially in an age where like we can sort of live wherever we want to if you work remotely, which we kind of all do now. So thinking about like what happens with that. So I think what the problem is on the internet, though, is that we really don't necessarily get that exposure to people, right? Because the web two model, as Daniel mentioned with the advertising uh, as the main piece of revenue um, is really how we intake information is whatever is making the platform uh, revenue. So it's not really based on uh, creating communities in the way that's for information exchange. And um, the best, the most ways that my mind has have been expanded have been by hanging out with people different than me that didn't grow up where I grew up that like offer a perspective um, and me, uh, you know, having an open mind to that perspective and, and really thinking on it and widening my worldview. And I think what's hard today too is like those personal interactions allow for that information exchange. And, and there's just something different about it. Whereas like, it's hard to, unfortunately for some people, it's hard to put yourself in anybody else's shoes whether they have a good opinion or a wrong opinion or whatever opinion and understand like where that's all coming from when you don't know where they're coming from, which is really not an experience you get on the internet. So I think then whether if they have a bad opinion, you know, if you said something wrong in a group of friends before, they might tell you like, hey, that wasn't cool. And like, we don't even have that anymore because we've all decided to share all of our thoughts on blast um, on these platforms that aren't really for community. And then um, right, wrong or the other, there's not a lot of chance to like engage that person. And, and the way we learn is by engaging and saying like, hey, actually that wasn't the correct way to say that. Or, hey, actually, do you, you know, when you say that it's coming from uh, this other background that you don't actually identify with. So you want to be careful when you're talking about it. So I think what we have to do with digital communities is like figure out ways to 
have create experiences that feel like you're in that physical setting and you're meeting these different people and you're um you know you're helping each other learn how to engage and you're gaining new perspectives like like why you would move to a new york city or why you would move to um like a different country or something and just like like think about you know who you're bringing to the table to kind of set up that digital community and and have those things so that when new people join it's kind of already um like in the fiber of the community itself so i think it's going to be a big challenge uh, obviously living in the States, there's like a lot of polarization and a lot of things going on. Um, and so I think that that's really going to be the only way we move forward is if we like figure out how to help people, uh, understand people first, like seek conversation to understand, not to come to common ground necessarily and figure out how to ask those questions and ask, have those conversations in digital platforms. That'll be my last thing. We actually don't know how to have good conversations. I've been reading a whole book on how to ask better questions um, by a woman who's a, a really good facilitator in dialogue, like how to bring back democratic dialogue, dialogue that seeks to understand by not asking like, is this right or wrong? Like getting out of the binary and like, then I'm thinking about like, how can I bring those questions to my digital communities and the ways of framing things and asking things that allow for better conversation than things like that happen on Twitter, right? Um, so I think that's a big part of it too, is like, just because we're digital doesn't mean we have to forget that there's specific ways that we should be asking questions and, and, and coming and approaching each other. Wow, wonderful, Maggie. Um, amazing comments by Daniel and Maggie, our two amazing panelists. And David, would you like to close things off with your thoughts on perhaps a big challenge for digital communities and what can we do moving forward? Yeah, I, I totally resonate with what David was saying, Daniel and Maggie. I mean, you all are making some really amazing points and this, this notion of being able to have not only a safe digital space to have conversations within your group, but also to be exposed to diverse opinions outside of your group and, and the ability to have conversation across these boundaries, across these group boundaries. I mean, and, and as you both were uh, pointing out, there's there's both the the internet itself with the advertising model putting us in filter bubbles and then we're putting ourselves in in filter bubbles in some ways by the groups that we select so it it does seem very challenging to to foster the the exchange of ideas beyond our group boundaries and um so i think that's the the thing that's really interesting to me and what I'll say is, I think to really actually make this work, we have to actually think outside of the, the, the notion of digital communities and start thinking more about, well, also in addition to how we structure the digital communities, how we structure the internet, how we structure internet, the information on the internet. I think the, the premise that I've been working with for the last three years is that we need to connect all the information so that you can have context for anything that you're looking at. And what I believe is if we connect everything up so that all the information is connected with relationships. So for any given piece of information, you can see all the contradicting information, all the supporting information, any citing information, et cetera. You get a 360 degree contextual view. I think that that begins to be a knowledge base that we can use to start um, 
start having access to a neutral, a neutral, neutral platform of information. Basically, I think that's what we need. We need to be able to, for any inquiry, be able to see all the different perspectives that all the different groups are thinking around this. We need to be able to understand what their claims are for their perspectives, what evidence they they believe supports their claims, what data sources those are coming from. And if we have this shared context, and then we have this notion of digital nations on top of it, and we, we're purposely creating ways, perhaps through artificial intelligence and other types of moderation to get people to have access to the, the other ways of thinking about things and, and trying to, steel man the arguments of the other side to really step into their shoes as maggie would say to to empathize and be able to 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 really understand where the other is coming from i, I think that that's going to be really important and we're going to have to change the information infrastructure to make that happen Wow, what a way to finish things all for the Future of Digital Communities panel. Thank you so much, everybody. And again, I'm to Maggie, Daniel, David, Alexander, and David for taking part in this wonderful panel brought to you by Bridget.io and Noetic Nomads. Now, our next panel, The State of Sensemaking on the Web, featuring Nora Bates and David Fuller, Zach Stein, Jamie Joyce, and Evan McMullen is happening in just a couple minutes, so stay tuned. And we encourage everyone to submit an overweight application concept in one of our 13 categories listed in the chat. If you need a team or teammate, please head on over to Edge Writers Forum and everyone in the chat gets a shiny invite to the Noetic Nomads Discord. Go check it out. All the links are in the chat. And that's it. Thanks again, everyone. And feel free to stick around for the state of sense making on the web coming up next. Thank you. Take care. Great job, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks, everyone. Thank Thanks. you, Daniel. Thank you, Good Maggie. Thank you all. That's it. Look forward to meeting you in person. Daniel and Maggie. <laughs> we should do Utopia. It's kind of like in person. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> all right. All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Take care. You have a good one. Thank you. All right.